We be live. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I had a good day today. I went to Carnival. So I'm kind of like all like, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling some rhythm in me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to be covering the news. We have 10 news items like usual. Uh, most of them, I think all of them are about atheism, religion, and sometimes a little bit of culture and politics, but mostly religion. Um, I see you already have some comments highlighted before uh, before we get started. So Yes, I just thought this was cute. Music guys say, news on God's resting day? Heresy! <laughs> <laughs> and secular rarity saying, what's this? Oh, snap! It's Atheist Republic News, y'all! <laughs> I like how you read them. Um, also, people are confirming that the audio is good. Oh, hello, D. Let's see. Read it. D is saying, hello, AR family. Yes. And thank you guys for confirming that the news is good. Oh, also, we're on Twitch as well. Forever Stormy, always on Twitch. Uh, good reminder, if you want to follow us on Twitch, we're also there. Anyways, we should get started on the news. Can we, oh, unless you want to add anything else, are we good? Overall, the news please. is like good. Like, is yeah, please. It, it's like a pretty even mixture today. Um, okay. But please make sure to like this stream and subscribe. It really helps our channel grow and helps more people join our community, which we really right. love. Yeah. Um, so we can clap for this first news. First news. First news. Islamic charity shut down by UK government for promoting violence in the United Kingdom. On May 23rd, the Charity Commission for England and Wales ordered Islamic Research Foundation International, or IRFI, to shut down after finding that IRFI had funded TV programming that promoted violence. The National Secular Society, or NSS, had expressed concerns about IRFI since 2018 in an open letter to the Charity Commission. Peace TV... A television program involved with the IRFI had was reprimanded in 2012 by broadcasting regulator Ofcom after uh, world-renowned, world-known, world-famous Islamic preacher Dr. Zakir Naik said that he tended to agree that Muslims should be executed if they leave Islam and try to proselytize a different religion, quote-unquote, against okay, Islam. Okay, YouTube, just to be clear, these are not our views. We're just covering the news. None of this we agree with, so there goes that, okay? So please do not strike us down, but go on. We are reporting on the views of other people. And in 2020... Zach, Zachary Nayak's Peace TV and Peace TV Urdu were fined £300,000 for, quote, broadcasting hate speech and incitement to commit murder, end quote. According to the uh, National Secular Society, they also had a long line of very controversial speakers like Bilal Phillips, who the U.S. government, government named as a co-conspirator in the September 11th attacks. According to the Charity Commission, the IRFI's remaining funds of uh, over or almost uh, £58,000 has been tra transferred to three charities, quote, with similar objectives. 
Okay, so I don't understand. Can you break this down? Zekinaik, was he, this is in the UK. What does this got to do with him? So I believe he's actually been banned from the UK. Okay. Um, but so Zachary Nayak is maybe the world's most famous Islamic preacher. And yeah. he, yes, he, is, is he is known because of his quote unquote, <laughs> ironically, Peace TV is the name of his network. And so this charity called the Islamic Research Foundation International was associated or provided funding or services to Peace mm -hmm. TV. And because Peace TV, I, this is what I find interesting, is they got shut down because of they were promoting violence against ex-Muslims, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Okay, so here's a question: were they, were they doing this in the UK or on channels that they have that is associated with their charity? Um, YouTube channel. I actually don't know where Peace TV okay. is based out of or where they film. Um, I, here's a question: like, the, wouldn't I mean their Hadith books says that as well, right? Like you mm -hmm. have. There are books within these mosques and these Islamic centers that advocates for the same thing. That this is part of Islamic scripture. So are you going to so does I don't understand how this works then? Because if a preacher says that, then are you going to make the Islamic charity you're gonna shut it down and take all their money? Well, technically every Islamic charity if it's associated with a mosque or a you know islamic teaching center they have books they have scripture that advocates for exactly that so i don't understand if you have like a preacher on a on a youtube channel saying that you're going to shut them down but if they have books that teaches that and you teach you're teaching those books then, like, what is the line? Because based on this standard, every single Islamic center needs to be shut down. It, based on this so standard. they were shut down because they were funding TV programs which in incited violence and murder. So it was the funding of the broadcasting okay. of these messages. So what if you're funding book publication that teaches the same thing? You, I mean, you bring a good point. Because Islamic hadith teaches exactly that, so you could so basically the red light you cannot find a TV channel that advocates that, but you can find a book. So basically, are are you saying that um, if the funding goes towards, if you want to promote hate, make sure you put it in a book and not in a TV channel? Is that what this red line is? I'm not familiar with the, but, but the red lines of UK I know, I know. charitable law. <laughs> but I you, know, but I'm you, just, this is a good point. Yeah. Because, I mean, what he's saying is Islamic teaching. Like, he's not saying anything that is outside of Islam. This is verbatim in Islamic hadith. So I'm just saying if you want to apply the standard to shutting down a charity, then every single, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. It's, this is the path. Um, am I committing a slippery slope fallacy? If I am committing a slippery slope fallacy, then you're telling me that, that you should spreading hate towards TV channels. Not okay, but books are okay. So, well, okay. He, he was, so PK is saying not really. It depends on if they're preaching directly or indirectly that stuff. Okay. So, 
they can have it in a book. You should, just, you, but you shouldn't teach it. You should not be teaching that book. So if you open that book, if you were like, hey, let's read some Islamic hadiths, and you open it and you read that part that where it says like ex-Muslims need to be ch go choppy choppy on their heads, right? Like, and they're like, oh, you should you shouldn't have read that. You should just have it in the book and other people could read it, but nobody should have read it out loud in a mosque. Is that the red line? I don't understand. It's weird. <laughs> You're you're such a stickler for consistency. How dare you? Um, <laughs> okay, but, whatever the laws are, what do you think the lines should be? Do you agree with the shutting down of this charity? Do you think that was a good thing that they did? Yes, because they also had other violations of the charitable law in the UK. Okay, no, you're 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 that's cheating. What if this was their only thing? What if like they had no other violation, but they were like they were funding TV channels that directly said it's okay to go choppy choppy on ex-Muslims? Yeah, that's incitement to violence. Okay, so what about having hadith books that is inciting to uh, that is inciting violence? What what about having scripture that incites violence? Is that okay? I mean, not okay. I mean, is that like, should we, uh, obviously it's not okay, but um, should that be something that you shut down a mosque or an Islamic group or whatever? Oh, yeah. Hmm. That depends. I don't know why, but I, this is, this is not a logical argument. I feel like things are different in print. Like, because I wouldn't say, oh, you just banned this material outright because it can be useful to for the purposes of objective study to look at that kind of material. Okay, but in an Islamic teachings um, center, it's not objective. You're promoting it, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, so, we don't want to, yeah. I'm just trying to no, this is very important to think about. I mean, I think incitement to violence is not covered under free speech. So to be consistent, the answer would be yes. Now, it, the, the reason why I'm pausing is because in reality, I don't think that that can be enforced because of religious freedom laws. So I'm like, well, part, of, part of my hang up is like, well, how would we actually make that happen? I don't know. I feel like there'd be too many roadblocks. People oh, are pretty challenging. Out. Yeah, I mean, people are saying from a pragmatic perspective, no, broadcasts reach more than books. So I guess, like, maybe maybe you could put that red line there. Like, hey, you could have your hate in your books, but don't put it on a YouTube channel or on a TV. Maybe that's yeah. the red line. Yeah. <laughs> Secular Rarity is saying, what? come on, Armin, rolling eyes. Everyone knows that books can't spread hate or violence, only YouTube videos and podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, that's... I mean, not to that, I know that's a joke, but books are harder, especially books that are scripture are harder to spread. Like you do have to put it in a YouTube form. Maybe that could, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not being an all or not. I'm not saying, oh, if you ban that, you have to ban the other things. Maybe that could be the red line and maybe that could be the justification. The justification is like, hey, scripture doesn't, uh, it's not, if you don't translate it in an easier consumable way for people on youtube maybe that's where their line where we where we draw the line yeah why not 
PK PK is saying no one reads books. I think it's better. I think it's better if you just say no one reads. No one even knows how to read. I don't know how to read. <laughs> no, I mean that's technically true because the hadith books are in very di difficult Arabic, you know. Even yeah. So traditional That's actually Arabic. a good point with the hadith in specific in particular. Because it's so much more difficult if it's in written form to go search out that information versus I mean, like clips like, online. Think about the percentage of people who actually are Muslims who read the Quran with the understanding of what they're reading. Okay, mm -hmm. um, that's a very very low percentage. Okay, even among Arab speaking Muslims, the when they read the Quran, they're reciting the Quran. They're not actually reading the Quran, right? Um, and I mean even. Not many Muslims even recite the Quran, right? you know, unless, you know, but um, that that's a very, very small percentage of Muslims that do that with the Quran. Imagine how many of them do that with the Hadith, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than one percent. I would not be surprised. OK, less than one percent. OK, so. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very likely that is less than one person for me at least unless there's other data that shows otherwise but so but if you put that in a video format then yeah obviously that's gonna spread honestly i'm not i'm not that i, I wouldn't be that mad for people to put the hadith in a video format i think that pretty, i think if you tell more muslims that that islam teaches you that it's okay to go choppy choppy on ex-muslims right i think that doesn't produce radicals I think that produces ex-Muslims. You know, this is why people like, oh, you're teaching radicalism. No, you're teaching people why to leave Islam. <laughs> that's what you're teaching them. I honestly yeah. think that's, I think that, you know, I have, that's why I say I give Muslims a lot more credit than a lot of people, uh, than, than a lot of Muslims seems to do. Like, oh, yeah, don't teach them these violent parts or don't teach, don't, don't teach them that. You're, I mean, you're like, you're like Daesh, you're like ISIS because you're telling them <laughs> You're telling them the Quran means this, and then now you're gonna turn them into radicals. Like, no, no, they're gonna leave Islam when they learn about the you know, Islam, you know, the true meaning of these verses. Yeah. Anyways, that's what I think. <laughs> Forever Storm is saying Armin is arguing all sides at the same time. Yes. First, like, we should ban it. No, we should spread it even more because it produces more exosms. <laughs> The duality yeah. of man. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, we definitely cannot clap for the next news. This is oh, maybe news. the worst news this week. It's very sad. The worst news this week? Okay. Possibly. Okay. Damn. Okay, let's see what it is. Next news. Okay, next news. Indian man killed on quote-unquote suspicion of being Muslim. So I'm going to give the background first and then dive into what happened. On May 19th, police in Nimach, Western Madhya Pradesh, retrieved an unidentified dead body stored in a freezer. The body was eventually identified as the mentally disabled 65-year-old Banwarlal Jain. Jain's family had filed a missing persons report to the, their local police on May 17th. According to Banwarlal's brother Rakesh, Banwarlal 
was not, quote, stable enough to marry, but he could go about his daily routine. It is believed that he got lost and disoriented while leaving a religious event and ended up in the wrong village in his attempt to return home. Initially, the cause of Jane's death was unknown, but a video of a man beating Jane helped identify the possible reason for Jane's death. In the video, Dinesh Kushwa, a former party worker of the Hindu nationalist BJP party, can be seen roughing up Jane while asking him if he is a Muslim. Quote, is your name Muhammad? Kushwal can be heard asking as he proceeded to slap Jane multiple times while demanding to see his government-issued identification card. On May 21st, Dinesh Kushwal was arrested by the Madhya Pradesh police. Rajneesh Ar Argwal, the state secretary of the BJP, called Jane's death an unfortunate incident and dismissed Kushwal's connection to the BJP. Um, so, wait, so he, was, was his name Muhammad? Like he changed his no. name? No. Okay. So, so they suspect, yeah. Go ahead. So they, the guy who killed him suspected that his, he had changed his name as a way to hide him, hide his Muslim background? No, 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 no. Uh. So it's not entirely clear what led up to this, but people have theorized that so this victim was mentally handicapped in some capacity and they said maybe they maybe this perpetrator heard jane that's his last name he is from the jane community heard jane say something that maybe sounded like muhammad and then he started to assault him and was slapping him around saying, is your name Muhammad? Like, what's your name? What's your name? Show me your identification card, blah, blah, blah. Like de demanding to prove like his, his, his mm -hmm. name, because his name would obviously carry information about what community he comes from. Right. But he's someone who's like mentally disoriented. Like he was being assaulted and he couldn't like speak clearly. He was clearly looking very confused didn't understand what was happening to him and couldn't respond. Hmm. Meanwhile, this man is berating him about like having a Muslim name. I mean, there's so many people with Muslim names in India. What the, like, is this guy reacting to all of them this way? Like, I don't understand. Like there's yeah, so right. many Muhammad's in India. Like, why is he all of a sudden, like, did he just wake up and meet the first Muhammad he ever, how could he go through his life? If he's reacting like this to one Muhammad, how is he like walking in India? Like in India, there's there's Muhammad's everywhere. I don't understand. Wait, no, seriously, like I don't understand. He, Maybe he I, was, I don't like this is the okay. This speaks to like the level of like escalation of communal violence or what the temperature in some areas is like where this man was allegedly killed on the mere suspicion of being a muslim let alone like actually being one right like that speaks to how stigmatized and dangerous having coming from this background can be in many places around the country like, think about that for a moment. It's insane. 
And his brother even came out and said, like, even if he was a Muslim, this is completely immoral. This do- this is wrong. Really? Are you, yeah, are, it, really? it needs to be said at this point. Oh, my God. Forever Stormy has a hypothesis. Forever Stormy is saying he probably wandered into some gated Hindu community. Based on the reports I've heard, it, that wasn't entirely clear. Forever Stormy is saying India has gated communities where only some religious people are allowed. Isn't that against the Constitution? I mean, I, be- I, you're speaking based on my understanding of the Indian Constitution. That's patently illegal. I don't know. I mean, I think Indians treat their Constitution like toilet paper. Like, oh, I mean, they damn. don't. Though seriously, they don't like a lot of Indians, not all of them. Like, they, they, they like. It doesn't really matter. There's so many things on Indian law that is like in direct opposition to the constitution. And no, like, and if you yeah. want to challenge it, you have to like spend like multiple decades and then maybe just get disappointed at the very end. Like, as an American, I can relate. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's even worse than the United States. Like, it's really difficult to challenge unconstitutional laws in India. No, I yeah. know. Yeah, especially because of how overburdened the court system is. Um, Shriyash Singh is saying Madhya Pradesh has a 6% Muslim population. I'm not surprised he's never met one. We don't know if he's never met one, but that might speak to Armin's theory of like, why would you have such a strong reaction? Yes, he's forever Stormy is confirming what I said. Mm. Yes, Stormy is saying, yes, it is against the law, but no one seems to care. Damn. Oh, wow. This is harsh. (laughs) Stormy is saying Indians were gifted the Constitution. They never earned it. What do you think about that, Armin? Yeah, I think there um, there are certain countries where they got structures and formats that were somewhat ahead of their own average people. And I say that about Iran as well. You know, I mean, some people say, I mean, I don't know if it's true. Some people say, like, maybe like Muhammad Reza Shah was ahead of his time, for example, for Iran. He liberalized too fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe like the people haven't yet caught up to, like, India, you know, India got a really good framework especially relative to pakistan for example right like it got a really good framework of law and secularism and constitution and everything right but i think the people haven't the average hasn't got yet up to that level and that's why now the people are dragging it a little bit back but they're dragging it back but people are also progressing to get to that level i I hope like i think the next generation is like showing its capacity to be able to uh, get to that level. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you could say that about India today, but I think the future against everything, against all the news that we're covering, I'm still optimistic about the future of India. Yeah. One thing that makes me so mad about this story is how the BJP has tried to distance themselves from this horrible incident because they're like saying, Oh, you know, who is this guy? We don't even know him, but he's literally married. He's, not only did he used to be a work a worker for the party, like a campaigner, but his wife is a local BJP leader. You want to tell people what the, uh, do you, do you explain to people what BJP is before the new ones here? 
Um, well, I kind of said it in the summary of the news, but the BJP yeah, you did? Okay. You yeah, did, is the ruling party of India right now and is, I would say, pretty explicitly, yeah, Hindu nationalist. <laughs> All right. All right. Can we... So this was the worst, so we don't have to deal with stuff like this anymore for the rest of the day? Um, there's some things that are bad, but not in the same... Not okay, as brutal. Good. Not as brutal. Good. We got that out of the way. Now we could like be a little bit less upset for the rest of the news. Um, okay. Can we clap for... Uh, do, do you guys hear some echo of my, my voice, or is it just me? I'm asking you like, Let me know. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um... We don't like this, but we can clap. Next news. Next news. Taliban no, 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 wait, wait. I, no, wait. We don't like this, but still, we can clap. <laughs> You're so extra. Um, next news. Taliban orders female newscasters to cover their faces. On May 22nd, the Taliban reinstated an old law that requires female news anchors to cover their faces. Proof of this new law was seen on air as female news anchors were seen with masks, just just enabling their eyes to be seen across all popular news channels in the country. T-O-L-O news anchor Farida Sial told the BBC, quote, it's very difficult for a presenter to cover their face for two or three hours consecutive, consecutively and talk like that. Many male actors excuse me, many male anchors took a stand in solidarity with their female colleagues by also wearing masks in their news reports and using the hashtag, hashtag free her face. An Afghan women's rights activist, Mina Sharif, tweeted, quote, Afghan men showing up for Afghan women is not just a gesture. It's a turn in the story that will change everything. Bravo, brothers. This is... Um... So they're using the masks from the pandemic now to just to be able to cover their faces. But yeah, but but the men are wearing their wearing covering for their news as well, just to be like, we're gonna be if you're gonna make the woman do this, the men are gonna do this as well. Yeah, although what's kind of funny uh, is that if you if didn't know the background it, of this news, you'd just be like, Oh, they're following like protocol, yeah, <laughs> you know, disease oh, yeah. protocol. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah. Um, hold on, let's go back to this. But people are saying that this is this was expected. People in the live chat are like, we knew it. This is what's going to happen. You know, at first they're going to say, they said it's the new Taliban is different from the old Taliban. But we're now like seeing that the new Taliban is the same as the old Taliban. But to be honest, it's still very different than the old Taliban. Like, Explain. Explain. Yeah. Like, this is not This is not okay. Like what we're seeing right now. Would not not have been okay at all for. I mean, she doesn't have a burqa. Oh, I mean, mean, she's working on the TV. Wait a minute, what am I talking about? She's an anchor. Like, oh yeah, she's being seen by other men, and she's and she's working. And she has a job. (laughs) So okay, guys, this isn't really bad. Okay, I'm not saying this is not bad. Okay, but it's still still very different from Taliban twenty years ago. People think like I say this as an endorsement at Taliban today. Like, hey, guys, don't be so mean to Taliban. I'm not saying that. Okay. But again, as bad as this Who is, is. telling you don't be so mean to Taliban? Who is saying people, that? On the, on, the, on the Persian side, people think I'm making excuses. And also here, people think I'm a 
secret Islamist Wahhabi. I don't know. Taqiyya, but anyways, never mind. I don't want to get into that. But but this is still very different. She's covering her face and she's working. Taliban before we were like, why is she? She shouldn't even be in the streets, let alone on TV in front of all these men. You can I mean, hear look her at, voice. I, I mean, look at their eyes. Those are nice eyes. Okay. Like, you don't know what I'm doing in private looking at her eyes. I oh could just God. watch. Yeah, you could, you could just watch. I could just watch the news and just like, just do weird things while looking at her eyes. Like, you don't know that Taliban, Taliban thinks that men, you know, you know, anyways, like but the fact that the fact that this is available to all men to see in private um, is like not okay. Like what the hell? Like think about a Taliban that thinks that you shouldn't even be in public mm-hmm. without your guardian. Okay. And now this woman with her eyes naked is available <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> On their on their TV screen, and the fact that she even has a job, women shouldn't be having jobs. Men should have jobs, right? Women should be like cooking and cleaning and taking care of the babies. That's the understanding. So tell you just said her eyes are naked. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm giving you. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put the Taliban perspective for you, like. <laughs> That's the point of burqa. I know. You, 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 the burqa makes it so that you can't even see her eyes. I mean, look, she like, like she obviously this is not like she takes care of it. Like this is like has makeup and everything. She has mm-hmm. lashes and yeah, plucks her eyebrows and stuff. So that's like, you know, for some people that's good enough. And Taliban knows that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I bet you there's a lot of Taliban people um, that can't believe that, you know, we are like a lot of people like, like, oh, my God, they're making you cover their faces. But I bet you, I bet you there's a lot of Taliban people uh, that think like, wait, we're letting them have a job and they still think we're being excessive? Like, like mm-hmm. they're shocked from the other direction. They're like, are they serious? Like the fact that we're not stoning them already uh, is like we're being so tolerant like we're no i'm 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 exaggerating with the stoning okay that was an what more could you ask from us what more could you ask for the woman like we're like being so we're getting attacked by our own people for being so liberal that they are letting women have a job and you're telling us that we can't even get them to cover their faces like the audacity of you guys like that's what they're thinking mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> So, anyways. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, I I understand what you mean. This is a funny comment. Mogambo is saying relatively progressive Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> too progressive. That's Guys, really what is, it is. This is too progressive for a lot of their members. This is way too progressive. That's why a lot, some of them are leaving Taliban. They're like, this is not what we fought for. We gave martyrs. We we gave martyrs. To bring Islamic law, and you're letting women have a job, and so Taliban is like worried about their people within them, like leaving and joining um, ISIS K, right? Like, so they have to be like, how do we liberalize um, to the extent where the international community gives us recognizes us, so we can finally start trading and make some money, but not liberalize too far. 
for our own members to turn back against us and to uh, for Taliban to break from apart from within. So they're in a dilemma right now. This is like oof. Here's the thing. I don't think there's any way to have both. No. There's no way to have an equilibrium that will meet the standards of both. It's impossible. Okay, somebody said woke Taliban and then like woke woke Iban. This is the Wokistani Mujahideen we've been talking about, Armin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh Dornavhead has a good comment here in the tweet as well. Dornavhead is saying, Taliban, we fought, we fought to give everyone a terrible life. This isn't what we signed up for. <laughs> this is not terrible life. This is, yeah, anyways. So crazy. Well, I mean, okay, so we've kind of seen things go on a downward, by our standards, a downward decline. What do you think we're going to see moving forward? Oh, it's going to, it might get a lot worse. It, it, okay, so we have reason, new reports that Taliban is back at it with working directly with Al-Qaeda. So that's, uh -oh. yeah, so that's like. Uh-oh, Habibi. Yeah. yeah. So here's there might end up in a cycle. So all of this is going to lead to poverty, and poverty is going to lead to more radicalization, and then we're going to enter to this into that cycle. So and that's a down, you know, and and the problem is that that cycle may might end up breaking the fabric of how society works, and that will the 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 what what every what everybody is trying to avoid is a failed state. You know what I mean? you know, 10 years down the road, you know, nobody wants to see that. Not, not, not the international community doesn't want to see that. Uh, Taliban doesn't want to see that. And most importantly, the neighbors of Afghanistan doesn't want, don't want to see that. Oh, and also Russia and China don't want, this is something that maybe China, Russia, and United States can, can agree on. <laughs> nobody wants to see a failed state in Afghanistan, but. Do you think anyways. they would even, part of me thinks maybe they wouldn't even let it get that far. Like, yeah, I, don't even think they, I don't. I don't even think they would let that happen. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, how? How? It's hard to stop it. You know. We'll see. But yeah, maybe the, all the interests, everybody being in line with not wanting to see that, maybe that will what's what's going to stop it. Maybe like eventually people are going to be like, there's too, there's too much economic interest here at stake for us to let you screw this up this massively, right? Like, <laughs> so maybe that will eventually. Um, do something, but it's just such a mess that I don't know how can how they can. I, I'm trying to imagine how they're gonna fix it. Uh, I can't imagine how, but maybe maybe because it's too much at stake, they will figure out something. It's so cynical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not just the resources that Afghanistan has that everybody wants, right? Especially rare earth metals. No, it's the threat it's to their own economic stability. It's also a threat to uh, the stability of neighboring countries and also trade routes that everybody desperately needs right now. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, let's go to the next news. Can we clap? Um, yeah. Next news. Next news, a shocking report of sexual abuse in Southern Baptist Church rocks nation. 
So recently, an investigation revealed that several top members of the Southern Baptist Church or Southern Baptist Convention were found to have minimized, ignored, and even vilified sexual abuse survivors who came forward for help. This bombshell report has significant implications as the SBC is the largest denomination of Protestants in the United States. The seven-month investigation report investigative report states that the abuser the abuse survivors emails and phone calls were quote only to be met time and time again with resistance stonewalling even outright hostility by church leaders further evidence emerged from this investigation that detailed specific abuse cases and shed light on how denominational leaders actively resisted calls for abuse prevention for decades the nearly 300-page report shows that SBC members were in informed that compiling a database of offenders goes against the denomination's policies. However, the SBC leaders secretly kept a sex offenders list, which dated back to the 1960s, while keeping it classified to avoid possible litigation. After being exposed in public, SBC administrative leaders said that they would make the secret list public, revealing hundreds of church personnel and pastors accused as sex offenders. Many survivors who had been working for decades to hold the institution accountable feel that this report is, quote, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so this is a very big news story that happened. And um, this is a very big deal because, like I said, the SBC is the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. Um, they have right now somewhere between 13 to 15 million members. Um, although it's important to note that over the past decade, their membership has steeply declined and it's continuing to go into de decline. Um, and, you know, people might say, oh, shocking, like, you know, this kind of abuse happening in a church. Um, but this is a bit different because this isn't the Catholic church. This is not a hierarchical institution in the same way the Catholic church is. It operates very differently. It has more of a democratic structure than um, the Catholic church does. So you would think that this might allow for there to be better instances of, um, or, or maybe better mechanisms for addressing these problems. But interestingly enough, this different form of hierarchy actually enabled it in a very different way. Because when people would go to the executive committee of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention, or if they would go to... Um, you know, the higher, like the next level within their region or their state, etc. Um, the, the, the bodies within the Southern Baptist Convention that had the more authority to address these problems said, oh, well, we can't do that because then we're violating our policies on local church autonomy. Because like I said, they don't, have the same level of control. It's more democratic. So they're saying, oh, well, we can't actually do that because then we'd be violating their ability to operate on their own. So they used this to try to protect like the central aspect of the institution. Um, and people have fought for a really, really long time 
for this to come out. This story is literally decades in the making. Um, I've seen, because I follow a lot of religious news channels and stuff, I've I've seen the buildup for this for a really long time. And we never talked about it because it was a little bit of minutia for, um, you know, within the inner workings of this one particular denomination. But then this really holistic account dropped and it's been huge news in the US, particularly because um, in, in the atheist community, so many people come from the Southern Baptist Convention denomination of Protestantism and evangelicism. Um, so yeah, this, this is very, very important. Armin, um, your reaction. Is there any arrests? Um, there have been individuals who have arrest histories. There are individuals who have sex offender histories. And then the churches would not inform each other as they were moved around the nation, even though people knew about it. Has there been new arrests because of this? Not that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. And one of the, one of the really big, one of the, some people are saying the most damning part of this report is that a former president, the former president of the Southern Baptist convention had credible, credible accusations of sexual assault laid against him. And this investigative report went into detail investigating the former president of the SBC and they said that they did not find any of his claims about that incident to be credible at all, which is very significant. So this was also occurring at the highest levels of this denomination. Hmm. Okay, well, this has just came out, right? So it could lead to arrest. Oh, wait. Right? Like, potentially. Hopefully. I don't, I don't know, because I don't know about the statute of limitations in various jurisdictions. Well, um, if it doesn't lead to any arrest, like, what the hell? Like, this is like a whole bunch of abuse, and they got unearthed, and it doesn't lead any to It should lead to arrest. Like, we want, we want a lot of arrests. Like, this is like a lot of abuse. How could it not lead to arrest? I mean, if it doesn't well, lead to arrest, that means that there's something seriously wrong. No, what's interesting is that there were people who were serial abusers. They would get arrested, they would serve their time, and then resume their pastoral work once they got out of jail. Yeah, unbelievable. So they're, they're like, it. you're like, where are the arrests? I'm like, a lot of these people were continuously arrested, and they were continuously allowed to have access to a to a congregation which also included children like i mean is there not laws around that like can't you like when somebody's been has a history like that should, aren't there laws that they can't have a job like that that makes them makes children exposed to them or whatever in a lot of situations yes but if people don't necessarily know about your history they don't know to enforce that law on you Okay, well now they're pages out, so these people should not. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand. No, I There's get something it. Wrong. There's something wrong with your country, Susie. Just accept it. There's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, bro it's, it's broken. Fix it. Wait, hold on. There's a good comment here. 
it, well, it's difficult because no, this is more of an internal structural thing of this organization because a lot of these people did meet the consequences for their actions according to the law, but then they did not face the consequences for their actions within this organization. Okay, well, an organization like some... that, an organization like that, where it puts children at at risk with people that they have the information they need, maybe the to know that they have a history, then the organization as a whole needs to be shut down. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh my God. They were the, the way that they would talk about victims was insane. There were emails from top leaders who literally said that people coming forward about what they experienced was satanic whispers that are oh distracting God. them from their duty of promoting discipleship. Oh it's God. it's crazy. Um, so there's a lot of really bad stuff in there like that, where it's just it's beyond like discrediting wait, them. It's too literally what, demonizing what? them. They're saying, oh wait, 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 wait. I, I misunderstood that. I thought you said like their their urges to do these disgusting things, they call that satanic or satanic whispers. No. They're you, the people who are calling them out, they call that satanic not whispers. even people who are advocates calling them out the victims the victims speaking and complaining they call that satanic whispers yes they oh being influenced by satan to distract them from their true mission and their duty to build the discipleship of Wait, christ so they abuse children i thought that the voices that make a lot them of grown women them. too okay i think that i think that was directed towards an adult they abuse people, sexually mm -hmm. abuse people. I thought they were like, oh, sorry, Satan made me do it. But this is actually even worse. They abuse people, and then when the people sexually abuse people, and then when the victims come and like, hey, I would like to file a complaint because I was sexually abused, they refer to that complaint as satanic whispers who are distracting them from doing their job. Are these people yeah. like... Literally, literally demonizing victims. It's <laughs> never been more literal than this. Yeah. Wow. It's horrible. And what's interesting is what you were saying, you know, with your outrage, you're saying, Susie, fix your country, blah, blah, blah. Because you clearly want to see consequences, right? And you want to see, um, you know, real tangible actions that are being taken to prevent this from happening again. And what's interesting, you should say that because a lot of survivors are coming forward and they have the exact same sentiment as you armin they're saying okay like this report exposing all this is good we already knew this but i want the public and i want just the ordinary congregant member to understand this but there has been nothing expressed that actually shows here is our plan to change this is what we're willing to do. This is how we're going to make sure that this happens as little as possible and how we are going to correct like the ways that we would actively cover up these instances. Because the problem is, and I thought this was really interesting, I read a lot of articles about this today, was that because the SBC has this kind of democratic structure, it means that they, a lot of decision-making ultimately goes to lawyers that are on the payroll and the lawyers are not answerable to the congregants. They're not answerable to like these delegates. They're answerable to the institution as a legal entity. So their motivation 
is to protect that legal entity from liability. And so all of the actions that people have been fighting for for decades were being shot down by lawyers within the SBC who are saying, no, we can't have a database that tracks people within our denomination if they do this kind of crime to make sure that they don't just move to somewhere else on the other side of the country. We can't do that because that opens us up to liability. So we're just going to like look the other way. You know, so yeah. that kind of attitude led this to fester for decades. Uh, I have two comments that we should read. Forever Stormy is saying, even Satan is like, don't dump this on me, dude. And here. Oh. And Dornophad, can I say, I can't say any of this, Armin. Okay. Never mind. This is YouTube. These are oh, all yeah. YouTube trigger words. <laughs> Okay, never mind. That's sorry. This is a good one. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube trigger words, please make sure to like this video, share this if you know people who are interested in this kind of thing, because YouTube really, really hates the SA word or SA phrase. And we said that about a million times in this segment, which is going to shoot down this whole stream in this segment like in, into deprioritized ninth circle of hell. So it's like this video. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and, I like that phrase. We should, we should use that to deprioritize ninth circle of hell. That's good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> um, this is part of the problem with what we do at Atheist Republic, because these are really important stories to cover. Mm. There are a lot of people in our community who come from these backgrounds. They want to see these kinds of stories reflected in the content that they consume or in their community that they're a part of. And we talk about it, even though it's so contra controversial, it's really not controversial. It's just phrases and words that YouTube hates because they're bad for advertisers. <laughs> and so we don't grow, even though we cover really important stuff. So that is my appeal to you as an audience. Please support our work. If you cannot afford to support our work via Patreon or PayPal, please just throw us a like. It's free and it takes less than a second. Okay, you confuse a lot of people. ABC is saying, what is SA phrase? And Sorgu is saying, SA? Question mark. And I don't know what this is. Don't know if it's like SA word? Question mark. Sarsa. What is this? Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. I think SA is like sexual assault, right? No? Is that what that is? Well, why would you repeat it? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, <Okay>. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Sexual okay. abusadamente. Yeah. Oh. Um, can we clap for the next news? Um. Yeah, this is interesting. This is interesting. <laughs> next news. Next news. Indian Muslim youth group pushes for law preventing quote-unquote Islamophobia. In Kerala, India, a statewide youth caravan by Solidarity Youth Movement Kerala seeks legislation to prevent Islamophobia by demanding legal protections for Muslims from hate crimes. According to Jamaat-e-Islami National Secretary Malik uh, Motasim Khan, Quote, Islamophobic campaigns are barring Muslims from economic rights, political rights, and democratic rights. In recent years, anti-Muslim sentiments have been growing in India, 
a genocide expert, predicted that genocide against Muslims is becoming increasingly likely. Many Muslims of the Indian Many members of the Indian Muslim community feel the brunt of overt economic boycotts of their businesses based on their religious identity. Muslim shopkeepers and businessmen have increasingly become subject to attacks by Hindu far-right groups since Prime Minister Modi came to power in 2014. So I thought that this was interesting because and this is, I want to talk about this mainly because I wanted to bring this news mainly as just like a point of discussion. So... This is interesting to me because they're campaigning against Islamophobia and they want legislation against quote unquote Islamophobia. And we have a lot of problems with that term Islamophobia. Personally, I think it's BS, but the contention is that Muslims in India are legitimately facing starkly and very quickly rising crimes of, uh, uh, levels of hate, bigotry, hate speeches, incitement to violence, and like I said, overt and purposeful economic boycott of them simply because of their religious background. So they are facing legitimate and empiric like empirically measurable um, forces of, of hate and disenfranchisement. So, and, and, but in, which is worth campaigning against it's worth campaigning yeah. for their protection against these forces right okay so but what do you think about this i okay so i agree that there's a lot of anti-muslim bigotry in india okay and it would seem us being too pedantic over the term like people are like okay armin you know you guys have reported so much discrimination and hate and violence against Muslims that are happening in India. So there are calling it by a name that you don't like. Who gives a crap? It's not as important as, as actually fighting the thing that they need, we need to be fighting, like which is anti-Muslim bigotry, right? I don't know if it needs a spe specific legislation. I don't know if it just requires just enforcing the already legislation that exists or it requires exactly. a new legislation. I don't know. Maybe maybe it requires new legislation. Maybe maybe no. We just need to focus on trying to enforce the ones that you already have. I, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with it, I, I can't. But is it worth getting hung up over the name? It, it, it might seem like it's not, but it might actually be worth it, okay? Because the term Islamophobia, okay, so here's the thing. If as a Muslim, you don't, you, you think like the term Islamophobia doesn't have any issue, okay? At least from a strategic perspective, call it anti-Muslim bigotry, okay? Because the word Islamophobia has lost the propaganda battle, Right? When, when you talk about Islamophobia, people think that you are talking about you protecting yourself from emotional damage when we criticize <laughs> Muhammad. <laughs> from when we criticize Muhammad or the Quran. And people think like you're being ridiculous. Islamophobia is not a thing and people should be able to attack Islam. Okay. Even if you're referring to something that is important that needs to be stopped, okay, 
And if you think that term Islamophobia is the right term for it, at least from a strategic perspective, call it anti-Muslim bigotry or call it Muslim hate or, or something like that, right? Get rid of the term Islamophobia. Okay, we don't like it because we don't think like that attacking Islam is a bad thing. If we think attacking Muslims are a bad thing, right? But if you think we're being pedantic and that's not that important of a difference, for your own reason, for, for, for your own interest, and for your own self-interest, call it something else. Because a lot of people, like, from our perspective, you shouldn't use the term homophobia because we want to be able to have, do whatever we want with Islam and then protect Muslim rights, right? We're like, Muslim, a Muslim can be like, well, we don't like that. We don't like that fact that you're attacking Islam. So why, we sh why should we, why should we, why should we not call it Islamophobia? Okay, from your perspective, it is being sensitive about Islamophobia is ridiculed. It's seen as you being butthurt over nothing. That's why you shouldn't call it Islamophobia. That's why you should call it anti-Muslim bigotry. More people, including us right here, will unite with you, um, will work with you, including many other people, many even critics of Islam, many people who hate Islam mm -hmm. or, or anti-Islam will might actually support you. If you call it by something else, so names do matter because you're what you're, you're. This is not just a legal by, a fight that you're fighting. This is also um, a hearts and minds fight that you're. You want to people get people to support you, so call it by something that will get more support. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I agree. And someone in the live chat was bringing up the very good point that this will actually. And well, I can't find it now, but this will actually empower the far right one because the far right will say, Oh, look, like they are, um, they're asking, they're trying to demand like appeasement. They're trying to ask for special privileges or, and then it will also empower the far right because they have co-opted this whole idea of the phobia. Now they will empower and legitimize their ideas about Hindu phobia as well by like popularizing that term and thinking about things in that way, like reducing it to this little term. They could just throw it back out in their face yeah. too. We're called, we're called Hindu phobes for simply like criticizing Hindu scripture. Yeah. Like it's exactly what would happen. They're to copying you. you. <laughs> yeah. They're cop. You're being copied. Okay. And you won't like it. You won't like it because you're going to be calling, you're going to be called Hindu phobes simply for preaching Islam. Like you're gonna you're gonna notice how problematic this line of thinking is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, no, I I agree with everything you said earlier. I think it's also I I would not <clears throat> I don't know enough about the laws in this particular area to know if um, what is already on the books is not sufficient. I know that Kerala already has a um, a, a a proportionally large Muslim population in comparison to many other parts of the country. Um, and uh, which is partially why the ex-Muslim movement is exploding in Kerala, which I love to see. It's one of the, like the most vibrant in the country. Anyways, if I was doing this, I would work towards actually uh, campaigning around raising awareness about what rights are available to the community on the basis of, um, what's in the area, like finding lawyers who would take up cases pro bono and advocating 
about for proper enforcement of laws against discrimination and violence and hate speech, etc. But I think there are many legitimate concerns that are facing the Muslim community because so th- I want to read this little portion because I I think the economic boycott is something the economic boycott of Muslims is something that is so important. It might in many ways be the, the most important aspect of discrimination against Muslims in India, but it doesn't get the same attention because it isn't as um, extreme as like the lynchings that happened. Right. But it it is something that will stunt like generations, right? It's a, it's a slow burn. So Here's an example. So this is um, from a very well-written article in Al Jazeera. And I know Al Jazeera, blah, blah, blah. No, this is just- Oh, no, Tarrio. I know, I shouldn't shouldn't have said my source. Um, Uh. (laughs) So so it's a worrying trend. Nearly 46% of Muslims are self-employed in urban India, the largest as compared with any other community, according to the data from the government's National Sample Survey Organization, or NSSO, in 2013. The report adds that Muslims are the poorest among all religious groups in India and are concentrated in low-paying jobs in the informal sector. Jeremy Seabrook and Imran Ahmed Siddiqui in their book, People Without History, India's Muslim Ghettos, have documented a gradual, quote, de-skilling of the Muslim workforce due to globalization, which has forced them into low-paying jobs. If these frequent attacks, uh, if these... If these frequent incidents of attacks on Muslim livelihoods are seen, quote, in consonance with some policy measures which the BJP government has taken in different states in the past few years, then it is a worrying trend indeed. Um, Yeah, I think that really puts it into into a larger context as well, because in many ways, this also becomes like a class issue. Yeah. Um, also, if you keep boycotting um, the Muslim community and you encourage more, you know, you cause more poverty in that community, you are the source of the radicalization. You yeah, are, literally. You are directly you're radicalizing. You're yeah. promoting self-segregation. That's yeah, the best way to get radicals. Yeah, you're isolating them. Like, oh my God, look, they have radicals. Like, yeah, well, you made them. <laughs> you, made, you caused it. Poverty causes radicalization. Radicalization causes poverty. If you add more poverty to this cycle, you're going to get radicalization from the other end. Like, anyways. But uh, do you want to? There's two comments that we want to highlight. Well, you highlighted this one. Oh, Forever Stormy is saying there needs to be a campaign against Muslim phobia. Uh, Islam deserves all the criticism that it gets. That said, this particular organization is a conservative group, so they probably care more about Islam. Oh, yes, man. and this is this is also something I think about. So I'm not trying to, when we talk about these issues, I'm not trying to endorse any particular group. Like for this yeah. news, I wanted to just use it as a starting point for like an interesting discussion. It's actually true because okay, here's a, here's another thing. Sometimes it's like, hey, Muslims, we do, we don't want to we want to defend Muslims. We only fighting Islam. We protect. We will defend your rights. We'll just criticize your religion. And then some some of them are like, well, you don't understand. We don't care about our rights. <laughs> we care about Islam. <laughs> We're like, hey, we'll... Pro- <laughs> like, like, that's actually a higher priority for us. Like, Uh-oh. like I, I asked Muslim, like, hey, I, I'm going to insult your prophet, but I'll protect your rights. I'll protect... I, I, will, prote- I will speak with you on, of, you know, 
to protect your lives, to protect you from discrimination, from abuse. I like, we don't, and sometimes I hear back and like, we don't care about abuse. <laughs> you know, you know, we are supposed to be abused. We're Muslims. We, like that's, that's literally what they say. Like God will protect us from abuse. Who are you, Armin? You can't protect us from abuse. We rely on God for that. Our job is to protect Muhammad. Muhammad's honor is more important to us than our lives. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So <laughs> you're not the kind of Muslim I'm, I can speak to. Um, yeah, like, I'm so I'm sorry for interrupting what you got going on there. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoopsie oh, do. <laughs> and here's another comment. Uh, Oxymoron is saying, even if it is anti-Muslim bigotry, no special considerations, danger from policies outweigh benefits Ooh. from it. I think Oxymoron is referring to like crafting particular laws to address this community. Yeah, I mean, I I see that. I mean, okay, so in some countries, you can come up with specific laws that protect certain communities because you need an extra interest, extra focus on that, right? Generally, you would assume that laws that are generally protecting everybody should be good enough as long as they're executed. I do see in some other countries symbolically coming up with some laws to put extra attention on some people who are being targeted. Mm, but again, in India, I don't know if that will, I don't think in India that would, that in India, I, it, that might cause more misuse than use. So I'm, I think I might agree with oxymoron, but I need more information to be able to, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why it's we were saying earlier, like, let's look at what's already on the books and let's yeah. work towards in, in, in equal enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that uh, that's uh, that seems to be a hard ask in India right now. But yeah, that should that's. I mean, it can be. Uh, it's a hard ask in like. In many places. In many places. Yes. It's All right. An ideal can we that we continue to push for? Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Um, can we clap for the next news? Yes, we can. Next news. Next news, harassment of French teen for her anti-Muslim video leads to six convictions. On May 26th, six people were convicted for harassment due to their threats directed towards a French teenager known as Mila because of videos she made speaking against Islam. The sentencing ranges from three to four months suspended prison terms and house arrest. The ages of the convicted range from 19 to 39. They were each ordered to pay 3,000 euros in damages to Mila. The attacks started in 2020 after Mila did a live broadcast on her Instagram speaking about her sexuality. During this stream, she was insulted by a Muslim commenter using homophobic slurs and invoked Allah to condemn her. Mila replied by stating that she hated religion and that the Quran was full of hate. The threats were so prevalent that she needed to accept police protection and change schools. In 2021, law enforcement arrested five people for making death threats to Mila. 13 more were accused, with 11 of them being convicted the same year. So this means that, oh, in total, this case has resulted in 17 convictions. Wait, what country is this again? France. Damn. I wish I was in France. I would be rich if I could make 3,000 euros from every person that abused me. <laughs> that, that, that. Right? <laughs> I would, I could retire right now. 
Jesus Christ, like if I I should have collected every single threat that I have gotten, but I mean they're not from I mean, even if I was in France, the threats are not from France, so that wouldn't work out. Oh my god, this is amazing. Um this by the way, this this happened a while back. Like the reason why we're two years reporting ago. on the two years ago, the reason why we're reporting on this right now is because the sentencing, right? Mm-hmm. So what else? Like, so they have to pay three thousand euros. Anything else? Or do they get any? Um, some of them jail? got um either suspended prison terms, you know, for time already served, or um were put on house arrest. Like numerous ones of them have to wear like ankle monitoring, um to you know so the government can freaking track their location, um, and uh, they also have to pay damages. Look at her! Look at her satisfaction. Is she this coming out of the court? Look at her smile. She's she looks very satisfied with the result. It must be very painful for these people to pay this because they like because they hated her so much that they said those vile words to her, right? But now they have to pay her, right? <laughs> so they're like, they have. It's not just like they're paying a fine to the government. They literally have to pay the person that they are. I so, know they have to pay her. Oh my god, it's so juicy. They must be so disgusted by the fact that the money is going to her. How many? How many? How many people are paying her three uh, three thousand euros? So in this most recent round of convictions, it was six. Now, previously there had all in last year there had been eleven convictions for like the harassment oh. and threats against her. I don't know if those previous ones from last year also included damages. I, w- I, I bet you she's thinking like, damn, I wish more people. <laughs> I wish there were more of you. <laughs> like, come on, I come don't at know, me. No, because no, yeah, um, no, 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 obviously she's obviously it's not fun to be living in the same country where people who literally want to like do certain things to you that I don't want to say on the stream. But yeah. Remove your head from your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know because like she's had to move multiple times. She's had to switch schools multiple times. Like yeah, that yeah, but... amount of money probably doesn't even scratch the surface of the amount of expense that has gone into just protecting her safety over the past two years. Not to mention attorney's fees. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm sure that covered, they cover that. Does it cover? Anyway, it was forever storm. We cover it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's France. Don't they cover everything? What? (laughs) (laughs) The France cover... The government covers everything. The government covers, like... When you get pregnant, they cover, like, a nanny for... Like, I don't know what they cover. I I don't know how much of it is real or not. But the government (laughs) covers so many things for you. But anyways, what is this? Um, Forever Stormy is saying, if Armin wants cash, he should go to Silicon Valley and rile up the Hindutvas over there. They are usually in the upper income bracket. Armin can retire a rich man. <laughs> hey, don't give me ideas. Uh, here's another color. <laughs> Dia's calling it the Islamophobe fund. Yeah, Islamophobe. Yeah, don't have it as well. All right. Um, very well, gratifying. Good. I think it's very gratifying yeah. to see like someone who faced so much like danger and stress and frankly trauma over like being a public critic critic of islam like to have the government yes. you know secure this for them yeah I, I i love i love to see it i love to see it 
Like, yes, protect her rights. Yes, say it's unacceptable for you to do this to a child. Like, <laughs> I think it's easy for us to praise her. And because even after the first firestorm, she came out again a second time harder, um, particularly specifically against Islam. But I think one thing that gets lost when we talk about the story is that she was 16 when this happened. Mm. And then the remainder of her adolescence was caught up in this. Like, I've had to deal with a, a lot of abuse since, you know, starting to do what I do here. Um, and I would, if I had to go through that when I was 16, I wouldn't be here mm. at all. So I think, like, people need to remember that she was, like, a child when she, she was being abused in this way. It's crazy. And she can never get that back. And, like, that's going to impact her for the rest of her life. Because I know the way that what I've gone through has impacted me. Mm. Like, I treat people differently. Like, I... I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't trust people the same way. You know? Mm. And I've gone through a fraction of what she's gone through. As an adult... I don't know. I have a lot of sympathy for her. That's a good point. Um, um, we're here. Read this one. Doorknob had to say on the plus size. I bet she's developed into one <laughs> bad arse biatch warrior queen. Cup half full. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Um, and then this one. <laughs> Nihilist antinatalist is calling the damages funds reverse jizya. <laughs> this is the funniest this is the funniest comment when Todd Skeptic is saying 16? not a child don't you know she's been an adult for 7 years <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one alright but this is also a good one oh wait, wait before we actually read this one so people might not know that was a reference to Aisha being an adult by age 9 Love, so yeah, I don't understand what this comment is in reference to. Okay, Higgs is saying that, well, I said in France they cover everything, right? And Higgs was saying <laughs> they cover ex everything except <laughs> except head with hijab. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, and here's another Higgs boson. That's comment. hilarious. <laughs> Arm oh, is like, oh, money from blasphemy. I mean, no, I highlight. I highlighted this one to promote our Patreon because, like, this is like we have or we are already making money from blasphemy, guys. We have very, very beautiful blasphemous art, which is the nude version of them are only available on our Patreon. We make new ones every week, so and a lot of them, and you guys don't know about them because YouTube doesn't even let us post the censored version of it on our community tab anymore. So you guys. We have so much good art. You have to see them. And they're so juicy and they're so sexy. And they're very, very, more than sexy, they're blasphemous, okay? If you want to see all of that, make sure you become a patron. Link in the description. I should have turned on more lights. It's dark here. Should I go turn on more lights? I think you look okay. fine. Okay. <laughs> Secular rarity is saying great points, Susanna. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all right. Can we uh, clap for the next news? India and yeah. Christianity. Okay, next. Okay. Next news. Next news. Indian martyr declared saint by Vatican for anti-caste activism. 
So I found this very interesting. On May 16th, Pope Francis declared, forgive me on this name, guys. Deva Sahayam. Deva Sahayam. Deva Sahayam. So Pope Francis declared Deva Sahayam a saint, thus making him the first Indian layman to be canonized. Deva Sahayam, also known as Lazarus, was born into an upper caste Hindu family in 1712 in the South Indian town of uh, Kanyakumari. Born with the name Nilakandan Pillai, he served as a treasurer in the royal palace of King Marathanda Varma when he met a Dutch naval commander who introduced him to Catholicism. The officer, the officer shared the story of Job from the Old Testament, uh, which touched Pillai on a personal level as he, much like Job, was struggling at the time with a string of family tragedies. The story moved him to convert to Christianity, drop his cast name Pillai, and take on the name Devasahayam, Deva which in Tamil translates to, quote unquote, God has helped. He fought against caste discrimination and advocated for social equality. His conversion was seen as treason against the kingdom, which led to his imprisonment in 1749. He spent the remainder of his life there, where he was ultimately shot and killed in 1752. Deva Sahayam was chosen for sainthood by the Vatican after a woman claimed her unborn child, who had been declared, declared quote-unquote, medically dead, started moving again after praying to him in 2013. So, two little explainers. When I say that he was the first Indian layman to be canonized, that means layman in Catholic terms means that you are not a priest, you are not a deacon, you are not part of the clergy at all. You are just you are just a Catholic. You're just a, a typical Catholic. You're, that's called a layman. Um, canonized is the process of becoming a saint, and. Um, in terms of why are you suddenly talking about a lady praying to him and then suddenly her baby was alive again. So one of the criteria to become a saint in the Catholic church is that you have to have a miracle attributed to you. Um, meaning that through someone um, praying to you, the power of Christ goes th through you as a saint and creates a miracle for that person. And, yeah, yeah. So he, that was the miracle that earned him the title of saint. Don't they have to? Don't, don't they have investigators that has to verify that it was a miracle? Doesn't that isn't that something that the church does before they accept somebody as a saint? I yes, but that whole idea is very suspicious to me. No, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm skeptical. <laughs> no, but I'm just wondering how are they investigating a miracle that has happened like 300 years ago? How no, no. So the miracle that happened happened in 2013, quote unquote. Uh, wait, so they, this is what passes as a miracle? You, some a baby was. What was the miracle exactly? So this woman had a pregnancy that was quote unquote medically dead. And then when she prayed to uh, Deva Shahayam, suddenly the fetus came Wait, alive. Wait, so you could become a saint because you even if you didn't do a miracle during your life, you had to do a miracle after you, you do miracle. You can do miracles through, after through you your done? intercession, through the intercession of that saint. Yeah. 
Oh, my God. oh yeah, there's a ton of saints like that, Armin. But like they were dead. But I thought. Years. I thought the way you. Okay, so why was she calling out her as name if he wasn't a saint already to begin with? You could call out people's name without them being saints already. Just random dudes that happen to be Christian, Catholic. <laughs> like, oh, you're not a saint. I hey, like so. If you were like a Catholic, Susie, like could I just like call out your name if I wanted my you know child, my pet nun to die, for example? Like I was like, I would, oh, Susie saved my I would intercede for you. Yes, I would. <laughs> Wait, you don't have to reach sainthood first. I just have to call out the name of a dead Catholic, and then if that happens, so that you do intercede, then you could become a saint. So most weird. commonly, you're already a saint. That's the most common. Oh, sure. so the Catholic Church confirms you as a saint, not like they don't make you a saint. They were like, oh, you were always a saint. We just didn't know it. They were just confirming it right now. Is that's what's happening? Like, the, kinda, it's just yeah. official. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, like, people, people, it's people before the Vatican from popularity, you know, you know, from it's popular to consider somebody to be a saint. So then, therefore, random people keep praying to that guy, and eventually, the Catholic, the Vatican, if they put their sample of this is clever marketing. This is so clever marketing. This is just like you see a movement grow up around a, a, a group of people, and for Vatican to remain relevant among those group of people, they're like, "Hey, it's a nice saint you have there. Wouldn't you like? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't the Vatican's relevance be reminded to you if we officially recognize this person that you recognize as a saint?" For us to be in our books as a saint, like, wouldn't she like be grateful to the Pope? And like, this is very clever marketing. This is a very, this is a very win-win like propaganda as well, right? So, for example, a community wants to make itself more relevant and be recognized officially by the larger uh, Catholic community as an important as an important group of people. So they make somebody a legend in the community they like prompt them that person up as a like as a saint right so this is an this is a, like a transaction between that community and the catholic church the catholic church is like looking at the group of people like this is a large group of people that would like us even more if we're like we recognize their saint so and that group of people are like hey our our churches will probably get more funding our our priests will probably become higher priests if all of a sudden they're associated with this saint from this community you know what i mean so this is like two 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 um a, a, a contract between the franchisor and the franchisee <laughs> this is all very very I think clever. Of it in terms of like survival of the meme like this is a yeah. very convenient way to like subsume a meme that is already successful and mm -hmm. so he already had a very large following both during his lifetime and afterwards particularly among dalit and adivasi communities um like he led i think some mass conversions and stuff which is partially why they thought of him as treasonous um and there were a few other instances that happened surrounding him that i don't know if they counted in the miracles towards his canonization but there was um a stone where he like knelt to pray where apparently th there's like lots of Christian or Catholic myths about this, where like the, the, you can, he, he, his, the power of his prayer was so great that 
it left a permanent mark in the stone on which he prayed. So there's like a sh like a shrine dedicated to him where you can go see the stone that has his like imprint on it, supposedly. Um, yeah. Does this get any Hindu Hindu reactions from India, especially? But this guy used to be a Hindu, then turned into Christian. Is that what we, I heard? Yeah, he was an upper caste Hindu, and then he dedicated and then the he rest was of his life freeing people castes. from caste oppression. All right, so would this cause any tensions between the Hindu community and the Catholic Church if they're highlighting somebody who was anti, who was fighting Hindu doctrine? I think um, maybe not fighting Hindu doctrine so much as promoting conversion. That's where the real... Yes, that's mm -hmm. where the real hot point comes in. And this is... So a lot of people were like um, either members of the local Christian community were saying that this comes at an important time because we have seen such an explosion of violence against Christians in India, particularly over the past year, not even the past year, like since in the past seven months. Um, and so they think that it's a very important time to highlight what's going on for their community. And this is one way to get more attention on it. So they appreciated that. Um, but what I thought was really interesting was of the people who voted him in, they were going to call him uh, Devashahayam Pillai. And there were people who were outraged. They're saying, why are you using his cast name? If you're going to canonize him, you have to drop his cast name. That defeats the whole purpose of everything that he was about. So they successfully pushed to get Pillai, his, his, high, his high cast name, dropped from the official recognition of of him um i think in terms of hindu reactions it's like another reminder of this history of conversion which is obviously something that they really dislike um particularly because he was in charge of several mass conversions i believe um and um it's kind of inconvenient in the way that it reminds them of a historical push against Hinduism, a historical push or motivation to leave Hinduism. And a lot of that motivation does come from caste oppression. Right. We got a super chat, which reminds me, we didn't oh. add this video to our fundraising, but thank you so much. Here, let me highlight it. Thank you, and thank you, Varun, for the $5 super chat. Do you want to read this? Uh, it's kind of nice though. I missed the super chats. <laughs> I missed the messages from the super chats. Uh, Varun gave, thank you for the $5, Varun. He's saying Hinduism is institutionalized slavery to caste Brahmin domination. Hinduism caste pyramid is a Ponzi scheme, which needs the maximum number of people at the base for it to work. It is a scheme. I don't know if it's a Ponzi scheme, but it is a scheme. Yes, I agree with that. More um, pyramid than Ponzi. Yes. If we're getting technical. Because Ponzi would be about moving have, these no, resources both, around. No, not, no, no. Both pyramid and Ponzi schemes has a limited ability for people to change come from the bottom of a pyramid to the top of the pyramid, right? Yes. And so but but the caste system doesn't do that. Um, but it is a scheme, I agree with that. But thank you for the super chat. Also, do you want to read some? Okay, so anonymous all is saying this is so absurd. And then Dornab has like, absurd is kind of is kind of what this channel is all about. <laughs> oh, there was another good comment. So you know, 
this is a great comment from Secular Rarity because to people who are not familiar with Catholicism, this is probably like very confusing um, to you. So Secular Rarity is saying, yes, Armin, to talk about the standard of quote unquote miracles and how they're investigated. Yes, Armin, someone held a picture of Mother Teresa to their chest and it quote, cured their heart problems. And that was part of Mother Teresa's canonization. That was part no of her way. path to sainthood. So this is the standard we're talking about here. Unbelievable. Okay, that's crazy. So this this story gave me an interesting they, excuse to talk about canonization, and also I thought it was interesting to talk to see the Catholic Church acknowledge like this anti caste figure in India. The the thing is that they have I I saw a documentary like years ago about the way that they had investigators, and they try to make it seem like it's very very. Like they do their due diligence. They have like they go and send like proper investigators, and they look for evidence, and it's like very systematic, very scientific. So they make it seem like that, but it's obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> Forever Stormy is saying, "I feel, uh, I feel like this all has more to do with the Pope's impending visit to India. That may play into this." Very good point, Stormy. Very good point. This made me laugh. Forever Stormy is saying, "Susanna watching Armin Catholic explaining, Catholosplaining <laughs> is a sight." Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, all right, uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. no, yeah. <laughs> Okay, do we clap for an? Wait, why is this? Why is this news white? I need to make it dark. My eyes. There we go. Can we uh, clap for the next news? Um, oh yeah, true. Susanna is Shia. Higgs boson is saying Susanna is a Shia, anyways. True, true, true. Can we clap for the next news? Um. Yes. This is. Very wild and interesting. Okay, next news. Next news. Muslim politician eats spit of quote-unquote untouchable priest in message of unity. To spread a message of brotherhood, Zamir Ahmed Khan, a Muslim politician and member of Legislative Assembly, or MLA, from uh, Karnataka, fed food to a Dalit, meaning the outcast group previously known as Untouchables, a Dalit priest, and then asked the priest to spit it out, which he then ate. The video of the jester has now gone viral. This incident occurred at an event to mark Ambedkar Janyati, a celebration of anti-caste activist, critic of Hinduism, and writer of the Indian constitution, Dr. B.R. Ambedkar. A big round of applause followed as Khan consumed the spit of the quote-unquote untouchable priest. Indian social media gave mixed reactions to this gesture that challenged numerous social taboos. Some thought it was over the top, while others appreciated the action, but found it a bit gross. Wait, so <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so... The she... <laughs> So, okay, so explain to me. this: The priest is a Dalit? Yes. And the man is what? He's a Muslim politician. Or a politician okay. who happens to be Muslim. So, so for people who don't know what Dalits are, Dalits are not just the lowest caste, they're outcasts. Like, they're the untouchables in India. Like, they're at the bottom at the, from the, in the caste hierarchy. They're so outside of the caste hierarchy that they're considered not touchable. That's how 
again, I don't want to say more because YouTube might think I'm saying that, right? So this uh, this Muslim politician to show how much they're not untouchable. They're like, I eat your spit. That's how not untouchable you are, right? Do you want to yeah. see the video? Wait, you, you sent me the video. Wait, hold on. Yeah, it's in the show notes. Okay, here we go. Wait, do we want to do with audio? Yeah, let's do with audio. Yeah. There and... we go. Okay, let's do this. Brace yourselves. Wait, there's no audio. Hold on. There's no audio. Wait, there's no audio. Anyways, I think it's good enough. <laughs> So what happens is first the politician Khan he he like gives the Dalit priest some food, and the priest is going to go give him some food, and he said no, like I want it out of your mouth, like that's the, that's what the one I want. And, and people, then... oh my god, it's so gross when you watch it. But okay, so I thought this was really interesting. Well, one because it is a bit over the top. Um, but this is actually breaking like multiple social taboos. At first, I thought it was just the the Dalit thing, right? But then I realized mm. that not only is it breaking the taboo of, it goes beyond looking at a Dalit. It goes beyond eating food cooked by a Dalit. We're going to the level of eating the spit of a Dalit, right? So it's it's challenging untouchability to like the nth degree. Um, but then I realized that this is also challenging the Muslim or Islamic taboo of Najis. Because <gasps> yeah. technically, even if this man wasn't a Dalit, it would still be quote-unquote unclean from, for a Muslim to eat food cooked by a non-Muslim, let alone spit from another person's mouth. <laughs> or, or, you know, food from his mouth. Like a little baby bird, you know? Like <laughs> the mama chews it and the baby eats it. Um <laughs> okay okay people say they can't watch let me stop this yeah just please that. pause it um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I thought this was very interesting. What what do you think about this, Armin? All right, so that's yeah, actually that's very interesting because in Hinduism you have that you can't eat food prepared by the Dalits, and in Islam, non-Muslim anything that, food prepared by non-Muslims or anything that touches non-Muslims is dirty, spiritually dirty for you to eat, right? So this is breaking two taboos at the same time, but. The most important taboo that they shouldn't be breaking is spreading germs, okay? Especially at an era where we're, de where we're dealing with a pandemic, okay? That's <laughs> one taboo you shouldn't be breaking. I encourage those other taboos being broken, but this is a taboo that I endorse, I support, okay? Not spreading your germs, okay? This is not good. Like, are they not, are not, are they not breaking, like, anti-pandemic? regulations that's a good <laughs> law okay so your islamic rules are nonsense i'm glad you're breaking them your hindu rules are nonsense i'm glad you're breaking them okay but rules around not spreading germs okay those are sensible you shouldn't be breaking them you should be keeping those and was there no other way was there no other gesture 
I am I am triggered because they're doing this right under the name of Dr. Ambedkar. I don't think Dr. <laughs> Ambedkar would approve this. Look at this. Like the, the, his picture is right there. Like this is like blasphemy against our holy doctor. Our secular doctor. <laughs> okay. I... <laughs> the Ambedkar blasphemy. Um yeah, so that was so I follow like pretty much every mainstream Indian news source on Instagram. So I kind of like to gauge the reaction of people in India, like from what I see in the interactions uh, on these pages online. And that was Armin, that was pretty much the exact same reaction of most people when this was posted on Instagram. They're like, okay, this is nice and all, but like we have some like public health rules nowadays. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah, is it nice? Yeah, I mean, uh, if this is your kink, by the way, I didn't mean it like that. I'm not trying to kink shame anybody, right? If you're like, I know a lot of people are into uh, uh, spit exchanging. Um, maybe like, if uh, okay, so if you want to do that, go get tested, maybe both of you before. Like, I'm pretty sure they, they I'm almost sure that these people were not, didn't go get tested and everything before they did this. Okay, there are ways for you to do that kink whatever that is to and keep like keep it healthy and safe you know we did get a super mm -hmm. chat uh, wait no i want to address that at the end because i will address that at the end okay um so one thing i do want to say is that the reason why i continue to use the word untouchable in our titles or in um the ways that i talk about these things when um we're doing the new summaries is uh, I know that untouchable is a politically incorrect term, but outside of India, Dalit is not a term that most people know or like would identify with. But if they hear untouchable, they're like, oh, I know what that means. I understand a little bit more of the social like location and they understand the relevance of the story more. So like I said, I know it's not the right term to use or most people don't appreciate the use of that term, but I'm in favor of you. For the, for the sake of more people actually reading the news and getting the story, I use it because I think it would actually... No, 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 no. Even, 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 I think untouchable is a great word because it disgusts people. When you tell people that these are the untouchables, right? It, you, you're doing a better job at shaming the practice, the shaming the association, shaming the, the hierarchy, shaming the, the caste system, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it highlights... What it's it highlights how disgusting of an ideology it is to to deem certain people untouchable. I think it's wonderful to call it to call it by that name because it 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 causes the proper response that you need to have to that idea to that um, to that mentality. I think anyway, that's what I think. That's a very interesting uh, perspective. Yeah, flip it on its head. Um. Uh, okay, so let's go to some comments. Forever Stormy is saying, ew, it doesn't matter what the, the spirit of the gesture was. Just just hug it out, guys. <laughs> hey, no kink shaming. Okay. Uh, well, funny you should say that, because Blink name is saying, hmm, kind of kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Blank name after the news, not right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Wait, what are the chances? What are the chances that certain people that are into this is their king? They're like, hey, let's let's 
Let's do this more. That's like actually, I'm I'm completely in support of us showing this gesture to more people, and then use this as I an would excuse. like to promote this kind of behavior. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oxymoron is saying he should have kissed him. It would signal to the LGBTQ community too. <laughs> I feel like oxymoron. I think you're saying that a little bit cynically, you know, like, oh, this is a political ploy, but I'm going to full heartedly say yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unabashedly. Yes. Oh my God. Do you think and... this comment from Kanye Baba is too sensitive for YouTube? Um, we could funny, say, though. we could call it, yeah, it's funny. Let's call it, let's use the Rona name. Yeah, yeah. Kanye Baba is saying, that's how we Indians produce new Rona variants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay, let's do the super chat and then go to the next news. Okay, so this super chat from Varun is um, tagging on to what he said with his last super chat about the uh, Ponzi scheme. So to our editor, like, cut this part out um Varun is saying oh first of all thank you for another five dollars Varun yes thank you. um Varun is saying pyramid is more pyramid is an important part of the caste structure number of exploiters brahmins at the top is less than those being exploited otherwise ponzi won't work yeah well yeah, yes i don't yes it's, i don't know if i yeah. i don't know if i agree with the ponzi part of it but it certainly is a pyramid on yeah okay so so just to be clear i'm just being pedantic okay so pyramid yeah, schemes are, are used for naming schemes not just because they're pyramid like but there's also certain uh i mean there are a lot of schemes that might look like a pyramid but are not pyramid schemes right so a pyramid scheme specifically requires other things other than looking like a pyramid for it to be a pyramid scheme. But that's being too pedantic. Let's just call it the pyramid scheme. It's fine. Okay. But we know what yeah. you mean. Yes. We're yes, just yes. being sticklers for the details. Just, yes. Yes. Because right. we are annoying like that. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Can we clap for the next news? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. You're so cute. <laughs> um, next news. The ex-Muslim threatened with death and how he found out from the FBI. So I wanted to highlight the fact that we recently talked to Azad Farsani Um for those who do not know, Azad Farsani is an Iranian American who is a fairly prominent, uh, especially in uh, Persian-speaking communities, critic of Islam, and he is an exiled scholar from uh, Iran who was ousted from the country after being interrogated by the authorities for a um, for his anonymous writings in which he would criticize the regime online, dissect and criticize Islam. And recently um, he was threatened. There were credible threats against him and the FBI actually contacted him to inform him of these threats against him. And uh, Azad has been a frequent guest on the 
Persian side of Atheist Republic. And I was like, well, we need to go talk to Zod on, you know, the English side uh, and expose him to more people. So we recently talked to Azad Farsani about this recent incident and also about his background in general. And um, yeah, so I wanted to promote our, our conversation with him. And yeah, Armin, what did you think yeah, about our talk with Azad? I mean, I, can't, I was wondering why he was targeted specifically because there's so many um, Iranians um, outside of Iran that have shows, YouTube channels, like um, Telegram groups, uh, Instagram you know, accounts, Twitter accounts that really go against Islam. But they go against Islam in a way that a lot of people are not used to. Like, they're really, really aggressively anti-Islamic, okay? And so proud of it, right? Um, but I was wondering, because we know this guy, and we love him, and he does really good work. Um, and I was wondering, what made them want to target this guy, right? And again, we don't know if this was, like, a couple of butthurt individuals, or was this the work of the regime, right? We have no idea, Okay. I'm I'm more inclined to think like it was butthurt individuals because I don't know, but I don't want to get into why what you know the theories over that. But one reason why he was targeted more than other people because he, his most of his work is anti-Islam. Jamal was targeted as well, but she is like really heavily political, anti-regime, she anti-the regime her, itself. And she's like one of the most important advocates against the regime. But I was wondering why this man who goes against religion mostly more than the regime, more than, I mean, no, actually he's also, he's also, he, he goes against the regime as well. Oh yeah. But yeah, because he has two main uh, things that he does. One, he targets Islam. Secondly, he, tar he, he leads a group of people called Barandas which like like bandos are like bandos is a bigger group but he has his own group of bandos people that are specifically against the regime as well but um, barandas but, means like topplers you know, topplers of the regime right so i came to the i i think i said it on the show on secular jihadists we invited him as a guest on secular jihadists so make sure you go watch that we interviewed him it was really good but i in that show i mentioned the reason why i think he was specifically targeted is because first of all there's two reasons right First of all, he is one of, he he was educated by the regime as a person to support not Islam, not just Islam, but the Islamic uh, Republic's brand of Islam, like the Vilayat Fiqih version of Shia Islam, otherwise known as Khomeinism, right? So he was educated by their university specifically as a person to go and spread the Islamic regime's propaganda, the Islamic, um, the, the brand of Shia Islam that the regime wants in support of the regime itself, right? So he was he was deep within the circles and he was in touch with, um, he was friends and he rubbed shoulders with some of the highest ranking mullahs uh, close to regime in Iraq, right? For so, so for somebody, and he became an atheist while he was still in Iran because of studying Islam. And not only he became an atheist, he became like because of his studies of Islam, he became extremely anti-Islamic. Like he was disgusted by it, right? The more he studied it, right? And he dedicated his entire life to fight that, right? 
So one reason why might be what the reason one reason why this person is particularly sensitive for them is because of his association with people that were supposed to be supporting the thing that he's fighting. The, and being so close to some people that are extremely sensitive, extremely close to even the office of the supreme leader, right? So him, it's not, ju- it's not just what he says, but who he is, it's such a danger to the regime's propaganda, right? Because if somebody like that could turn against the ideas of the regime, then everybody is a potential lost cause for them, right? Uh, the message of like... So for, for people like us, when we turn against Islam, they're like, oh, you're lost. You're, you're lost. You don't know, even know what Islam is, right? You have no idea what you're even talking about. You're not even educated. How could you even like, you don't even understand Islam. You know, you're an uneducated, ridiculous, you, you know, somebody that has um, some emotional, um, um, Something to prove, something we got we got hurt, like we want to sin, Islam that messes with our lifestyle. We want, you know, things like they have so many excuses for why we're against Islam, right? But for someone like this who was trained by them, was grow grew up in their circles, and even was so close to people that are close to the supreme leader, for somebody like that to turn on Islam, his his mere ex, even without his message, his mere his mere existence is a threat to the regime, right? Um and second, a second reason why I assume, and these are just guesswork, I don't know why he uh, was a strict, more offensive to people than the rest of us, is because he ties in his anti-Islam narrative work, and he does it in a scholarly way. Like he, he doesn't just like read. Like he, he, his education was around Islam, right? So he come when he criticizes Islam, it comes across as very academic. And there's two kinds of people. Where in, in the Iranian circles, where they're the scholars who criticize and fight against Islam, and they speak very politely, very academically. And then there's a whole bunch of people that are like, use the most insulting terms against Islam, and they're like separate from uh, scholars, right? But the un- one unique thing about them is that he criticizes Islam in a scholarly way, and then he says the most profane disgusting and insulting words against Islam at the same time. It's so awesome. it's it's like he, he does it both. So people cannot be like, oh you're using these words, you're an un, you're an uneducated fool who uses such you know foul language. Like he's like I went to a Momsadic university, check my check my yeah, credentials. <laughs> I know because he has very, very academic lectures, but then he uses profound uh, you know uh some some very very harsh language at the same time so put them together like he has he he attracts a kind of audience where we can attract like a lot of muslims can know that when he's speaking the way he, he that he comes from them so he's attracting those muslims because they're like they're listening to somebody speak in a way that you, they usually hear in a religious sermon or something like that like he recites the quranic verses and the hadith in the best arabic and recites like refers to like tafsirs and hadith in a way that you think like an imam would and then he didn't all of a sudden start swearing in the most vile way against islam so it's just so confusing to the mind you know what i mean but at the same time he uses that and pivots to completely dismissing the legitimacy of the regime from its very core because the legitimacy of the regime rests upon islam so usually other people who attack the regime they attack it in a political way right but because he's attacking the very core of the regime, which is its Islamic um, 
it's a legitimacy through being the representative of Islam, um, I think this is a bigger danger uh, because unlike political activism, and again said, it's like cutting the cutting the root, and it's being attracted uh, and it's appealing to a certain community of people who the regime relies uh, on for its support, and that's why he's. More, I would assume that he's more dangerous than a lot of other people to the regime. So these are my theories, anyways. Anyways, you, go, you should go. You guys should go follow. Where where can people find this guy, by the way? Oh well, if you well, first of all, you should go watch our full interview with him because what Armin said is like really just the tip of the iceberg of what we talked about with Azad. Um, we talk if you want more of the details of like what is this mess with the FBI like you can get the details there um also if you want to hear more about his background and Armin and Azad had a very interesting discussion about regime change as well which I would I would highly recommend listening to all of this um the name of the episode is the ex-Muslim threatened with death for blasphemy and how he found out from the FBI so go search like secular jihadists name the title and I also shared a link in the description um so make sure to check out the full episode and if you want to find out where you can follow Azad um, yourself, I uh, in the description of the Secular Jihadist episode, you can find like all his socials. On Instagram, though, he is Azad Farsani 5 But yeah, it was so nice to talk to Azad. My favorite part, guys, okay, this, this is the number one reason why you have to go check out this episode is because at the end, we reviewed videos of Azad when he was a Muslim in university. And then it's contrasted with the rest. He recites a poem, a beautifully written poem in Farsi. But the poem is about all the different ways that he shits on Islam. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the show, we go through and do a translation of that poem. It was we so try. much fun. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah, it was it was a real joy to talk to Azad. So more people should go check it out. Do you know? Um, oh, what's his Instagram again? By the way, uh, Azad Farsani five. The reason why I think it's five is because they keep attacking his Instagram attack accounts and they keep taking it down. It's his and fifth account. It, it's his fifth account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Okay, so we should move to the next news. Do you want to unhighlight this one? Uh, uh, yep, there we go. Okay, cool. All go. right. I don't have anything to show for the last news, right? You're just you yeah. making an announcement. Okay. Uh, <laughs> can I clap for this news? Sure. Last news. Last news. Susanna taking leave of absence to recover from surgery. Um, so... Guys, I will not be on Atheist Republic for a little while because I am getting a surgery pretty soon. And so that means that I won't be on the Q&A next week and we won't have the news show next week. Um, so the next news show will be in two weeks, which would be the 12th of... No, 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 no. Excuse me. It would be the 11th of June if you're in North America, and then it would be the 12th if you're outside of North America. So yeah, next news is in two weeks. Um, I'm hoping that I only need one week to recover. I think I'll be fine. And we can just resume the news after two weeks. Um, 
but yeah, I won't I won't be here for a little while, guys, and I'll I'll miss everyone. <laughs> Where can people send best wishes? Where can they do that? Um, Under this video, like maybe. Oh, that would be Before. nice. Um, yeah. you can contact me on Instagram, which link is in the description, or my email is Suzanne at atheistrepublic.com. One of my friends said that I should set up like a, a virtual. You can, you can do like a virtual card, like oh, an e-card. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'll post okay. a link to it on the community tab. Oh, that'd be so sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come back as soon as I can, guys. But I okay, will just. Uh... Okay, we have some sweet messages. I got to go take Anonymous. Care of I don't know, miss, I was saying, miss you, Susanna. People are already missing you, and you haven't got. Oh, anymore. I'm still here. Secularity, <laughs> rarity, saying. By the way, I am gonna do, be doing the Q and A's though, so that's gonna still happen. Uh, Secular rarity, saying, stay well, Susanna, and take all the time you need to recover. Thank uh, you. Blank name is saying, get well, Susanna. I will miss. Shake is saying, I will miss you. Oxymoron is saying, take care. Oh, DSA AR fans, you're missing out if you aren't subscribed to Secular Jihadists. Oh, That's yes, guys, true. go That's subscribe true. to Secular Jihadists. We, oh, um, Scruffy is saying, we will miss you. Love you. Oh, okay, this one is good. Yeah. <laughs> don't not say, no, don't leave us alone with Armin. Can we at least have <laughs> Susanna Effigy and Susanna's <laughs> Oh, my God. Wait, I, I have the I perfect have... idea. Guys, you're not even ready for this reveal. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, I can't show this. You can't? Well, let's discuss this maybe later. I don't even know what you want to show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what if we just sit this instead? Wait, but put that away. This is risky. What if you're... Okay, was, yeah, don't put that away. <laughs> that was... I can't believe you actually showed that to people. Oh, my that's, what if it was just that instead of me and there's still a microphone? <laughs> oh no. Okay. You're like, I like this Susanna so much more. She talks way less. <laughs> <laughs> Puya is saying, hope it all goes well, Susie. Thank okay. You. There's so many messages. I, I'm going to read them fast. Okay. I'm going to read them. Um, wait, wait. It's not the same without Susie. Uh, somebody saying I don't support jihad, guys. That's just, that's not the same kind of jihad that you guys. Secular jihad. <laughs> saying uh, Miss Chai saying we. I think yeah. I think we all gonna definitely miss Susanna. Oh, this is the reaction to the <laughs> Armin PK saying Armin is boring. Yes, that's Aww. a wife. <laughs> Susanna. <laughs> Susanna, I, I'm I'm so proud of you that you actually show that to people. <laughs> Hot, hot. I'm I'm actually very proud of you. That's crazy. I can't believe I did that. It was too good to not do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. We have to get going. Thank you for all your messages. Leave more messages in the comment section once the stream is over. And don't make sure you like and subscribe. And yes, please also go subscribe to the Secular uh, Jihadist YouTube channel. 
and subscribe to our newsletter because we we send you the safer work version of our blasphemous art for free every week to everybody who is subscribed to our newsletter. So make sure you subscribe over there. All right. Um, all right. The Anything other else? side of that pillow is way more graphic too. <laughs> yeah, don't bring that against Risky. What if it falls and it shows on screen and then like then we like we lose our channel? <laughs> 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 oh my god. Alright guys, bye. Wait, before you end, are you gonna do any Hinduism streams next week? Yes, yes, I will. Yay! Okay, okay. Yeah. Alright, alright. Bye. Bye. <laughs>